Welcome, neighbors, to This Week in South Baltimore, a new podcast brought to you by SouthBmore.com. This weekly podcast will provide you with a weekly roundup of all news and events in South Baltimore. If you need to know what's going on here in Sobo, you got to call this one guy. His name is Kevin Lynch, founder, creator, owner of SouthBmore.com. What's going on, Kevin? How's it going? Nice chatting with everybody. How's it going, Nathan? Going great, man. How are you? Very good. Looking forward to the weekend. Weather looks pretty good, so can't complain. Another beautiful day in a COVID world. Yeah. Yeah, I guess the, uh, the, the quarantine's becoming less quarantined uh, by the day. Everyone's kind of figuring out what they can get away with. And, you know, it's nice. We got restaurants with outdoor seating and indoor seating back open now. And, uh, you know, muse- a lot of museums are starting to open this week, which we, we covered this week on the site. So really, in a lot of ways, um, things are getting pretty close to back to normal. Things aren't going to be at capacity in most places, but there's really a lot you can do and, you know, start, start enjoying that city lifestyle again. So tell us a little bit about what kind of stands out the most in terms of, uh, you know, you mentioned there's some restaurants opening back up through southbmore.com. I've heard that there's going to be some unique seating arrangements. You know, what are you hearing from, you know, restaurant owners and bar owners and so forth? Mm-hmm. Sure. Well, everyone's looking, um, you know, so now with uh, the state and city regulations, restaurants can operate indoors at 50% capacity. Um, and then they've streamlined the process of getting outdoor seating and kind of expanded outdoor seating. There's been some uh, wrinkles with that, which hopefully they'll work out. Um, but yeah, so as far as indoor, a good thing about the area, you know, Federal Hill and Locust Point is a lot of places kind of have a second story dining room event space that's typically maybe used for a busy Friday or Saturday night or for, for special special events and parties. So hopefully this is a chance for some of our restaurants, they can take that second story, which maybe isn't typically used on a Tuesday or Wednesday or Saturday afternoon, and kind of be able to space your restaurant out where you can get, you know, almost the same amount of people um, into your restaurant that would just be on the first floor now with your multiple floors. And then um, when it comes to outdoor seating, you know, we've heard ideas for years, you know, do could, could Cross Street, you know, the unit block of Cross Street where Cross Street Market and a lot of the bars and restaurants are, could that become kind of a pedestrian-only street or at least for certain hours of the day where there can be kind of a, a beer garden slash alfresco dining atmosphere? And I know there's a, I know there's some work going on to, to see if that can happen right now. It hasn't happened yet. We've seen in Fells Point, they've taken out some of the parking spaces along Tame Street and uh, have some uh, cool... Uh, parklet um outdoor dining spaces so we'll see where that goes in south baltimore but certainly we've seen some some expansion of outdoor seating already places like delia foley's have added outdoor seating and uh cross street becoming more of a pedestrian street or any other opportunities there might be but you know maybe this is an opportunity we can kind of take what made south baltimore great maybe combine some new things that we've kind of been forced to do because of covid19 into the current picture and see where we come out of all this, you know, is some of the things we've done during COVID. Can they, uh, can they be permanent? So Kevin, as you walk around the neighborhood, you see a lot of development going on. Um, you know, what are you noticing? What are you hearing in terms of uh, new development? Yeah. So uh, a big story we did at the end of last week, which was one of our stories that got more, uh, social media interactions than something we've done in a while is, um, the, the casino ownership group is, trying to redevelop all of Warner street, which is a 
three block street that goes from M&T Bank Stadium to the Horseshoe Casino, Baltimore. And they, they've been able over the years to acquire basically all but one property that, that faces Warner Street there. So they've been talking for a while about how they're going to do a top golf down there. That's going to go at the Barks site along with another um parking lot that's there so that required barks to to get out of that area which they they finally did they moved to their new home in cherry hill last month so so we already knew about top golf and then there's another plan at the corner of austin street and warner is going to be the paramount which is going to be a four thousand person music venue so we already knew about those two projects but we haven't yet seen kind of the master plan for that area so uh the cb CBAC, CBAC, which is the ownership group of the casino, which involves Kays Valley Partners and um, Dan Gilbert, who's the uh, the owner of um, Quicken Loans and the Cleveland Cavaliers. He's part of that group. So the whole and Caesars Entertainment, that's another part of that group. And Dan Gilbert's group is called Rock Gaming. So that group is the owners. And uh, what we've seen now is we've seen that master plan. They worked with um, BCT Design Group. Uh, to come up with a master plan for that area. And it, it, it's really um, given people a lot of excitement seeing what they have planned there. Um, you know, it's, it's our first look at what Top Golf is going to look like. Uh, they're looking to put a hotel um, at the site where a bar called Game is right now. And the one property they weren't able to get down there is there's a public storage there. And, um, and that's kind of in between where Game is now and where Horseshoe Casino Baltimore is. So what they've done is there's a strip of grass that's kind of fronts Warner Street on the backside of public storage. So what they're proposing in the master plan is to to make a skywalk that goes from the um, the proposed hotel to Horseshoe Casino kind of across that strip of grass. And then maybe the, the first floor of that skywalk, they're saying maybe could be kind of a transit hub. And in an interesting way to, to deal with a, uh, you know, they certainly wanted to get that public storage property, but weren't able to pull it off. But there's a way to maybe kind of almost hide it in a way. If I'm not mistaken, um, is there already or in development a Hammerjacks that's going to be over that way? I remember the Hammerjack stories growing up in Virginia, listening to, uh, you know, 80s metal music and like everybody that was famous was at Hammerjacks and, and Hammerjacks seemed like this magical bar that all these 80s, 80s metal rockers used to hang out in. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, uh, Hammerjacks is proposed to go in a property that's immediately adjacent to where the Paramount Baltimore it is. They're, they're kind of split by the um, Russell Street slash 295 ramp coming into the city where the Paramount's on the east side of that bridge and the Hammerjacks is on the west side of that bridge. And they're, they're literally separated by, I don't know, 80 feet maybe. Um, so yeah, Hammerjacks is you know taking over. There's an existing warehouse. And then the back of the warehouse is where a club called paradox used to be so um so yeah hammerjacks right now is kind of revising some plans and uh, they're going to come up with something a little bit different here in the coming weeks but yeah there's the you know the group behind hammerjacks hammerjacks entertainment group still plans on moving forward with a a live music venue and a a club and a sports bar in that area so we'll we'll see um how that evolves but yeah that you know that's the cool thing about this development is um you, you know, you got your two anchors, M&T Bank Stadium, which is, you know, owned by the Maryland Stadium Authority, used by the Ravens. Then you have all the properties on Warner Street, which are mostly owned now by Seaback, the owners of the casino. But then it kind of ties into other developments down there where you got Hammerjacks just west of there and then just east on Austin Street 
of this Warner Street development is four buildings owned by Himmelrich Associates. So they just did a building called the Parker Building, which has a really beautiful wedding venue in there called the Winslow. Then the building across the street from that is where Checker Spot Brewery is. And while Checker Spot is open and uh, their space looks great, they're going to be adding um, a lot more new office and retail tenants to that building as that building gets a facelift. Um, Himmelrich has another building across Austin from there, an old brick building, which they've, um, it's an office building, which had some tenants, but they just added a new kind of not kind of in the co-working model. It's kind of a place where businesses can kind of get their own small office. They call it a business center. And then Himmelrich owns one other building in that cluster, which they haven't come out with any plans yet. And then you go just east of there, and then you're into the Stadium Square development, which is by Kays Valley Partners, which is one of the partners of the casino. And that's a three-block, um, $300 million-plus development, which is kind of, I don't know, I guess halfway done at this point. So really, it's it's pretty exciting as this kind of Austin Street quarter tied into Warner Street is really seeing a lot of change. You know, it's exciting if you're resident of federal hill it's except you know I, i've spoken to a lot of people that are from Pigtown, and they're really excited about it as it adds a lot of new amenities they can walk to and then you just look at the potential game day environment for a ravens game or any any other events they do at the stadium you know it can really come alive before a game or just maybe when there's no game it's just fun being in this this new entertainment district yeah it's gonna be great you can use the space you know when out without you know whatever season's going on if it's not football or baseball season you can still use the area which i think is amazing if you look around the country um you know so many mixed use stadium properties now so it's not just about you know it's not just abandoned for six months until the next baseball season comes back so i think it's fantastic i think baltimore's headed in the right direction you know i want to talk to you about do you have any news for us anything updated on uh on real estate anything you want to talk about in that regards one thing we've noticed, which is is good, which we haven't written a lot about, is the the residential real estate market has gotten off to a a nice start. Well, it got off to a nice start to the year, and then as the COVID pandemic's going on, it's it's actually stayed really strong just because the the inventory is really low. So you're seeing some some places in South Baltimore that are getting kind of almost record sale prices right now. In some cases, they're absolutely getting record sale price just because. The demand is there, and the and the uh, the inventory low. So that as far as everybody's property value out there, we're seeing some really good signs right now. And then as far as big developments, um, we definitely saw some news when it comes to Port Covington uh, this week, which uh, Port Covington described as one of the biggest urban redevelopment projects in the country. You know, just south of Locust Point, just south of the South Baltimore neighborhood in Riverside. So this week they. Uh, received approval um, by the city board of estimates to um, start getting their TIF bonds, which is tax increment financing. That's essentially, that's a way to finance new infrastructure and parks and things like that in essentially a new neighborhood or a massive development. So that takes the um, sort of, you take the property tax value currently of that area, then you make improvements and then the property tax value goes up a lot. So you take the increase in the property tax value and you use that money to put in new infrastructure in an area. So that's kind of a way of financing a, a, a new area. So, so Port Covington was approved for a, for a big 500, I think $534 million TIF package a few years ago, but now they're getting to the point where they need those those bond funds to create the infrastructure. So the city board of estimates approved them to 
get the first $148 million in TIF bonds. So that's not going to happen right away. So essentially what happens is those bonds are sold on kind of the financial market. And once, once they're purchased and, uh, the poor Covington development team can get those bonds and using them. But essentially what the development team did is they went ahead and started putting in the infrastructure themselves, knowing these TIF bonds would come and kind of pay it back later. But that project went on pause, you know, during the, the pandemic and is now saying it's going to return to action this fall. Once, once some of those bond funds get released. So, um, so, you know, a little bit of a pause there, but certainly a big project and they have, you know, they have seven buildings, which they've designed and put through planning review and are, you know, putting out bids to, to get construction of those started. So you really could see a lot of action at Port Covington probably in the next six to 12 months, where it'll go from pushing dirt around to really seeing a lot of cranes and a lot of vertical construction to, you know, maybe two years from now, we kind of have a new Main Street and a new uh, waterfront neighborhood in uh, South Baltimore. Awesome. Awesome. Definitely looking forward to that. And the skyline in uh, 10 years from now will be uh, quite different, I imagine, here. Harbor East, you know, if, if you're standing on Federal Hill Park and look over at Harbor East, the only building that existed there 10 years ago was the Marriott Waterfront building. So it could be a case now where you're sitting at Nick's Fish House, or you're riding over the Vietnam Veterans Memorial Bridge, and all of a sudden there's this skyline 10 years from now that didn't exist. So it, it'll certainly be interesting to follow, see what you know, one thing the development team has always said is that it'll probably kind of grow organically. What's the need? Is there need for more office? Is there need for more housing? Is there need for more retail or, you know, even some, some light manufacturing so that the development will kind of take it, um, where it goes. But right now what we're seeing is, um, they've got their whiskey distillery in there. They're building a complex called Rye Street Market, which is a combination of 180,000 square feet of office space, plus kind of a, a public market and event space and more retail. They're going to, they're, they're going to add in a hotel, two apartment buildings and an additional office building. So right now it's going to be really mixed use between kind of destination retail, a market event space, you know, you got your office space and then you got your, your temporary housing and your permanent housing. So um, certainly they're coming out the gate, making it very mixed use. They, they continually kind of expand on their park space they have there on the Patapsco river. So yeah, it'll be very interesting to watch it go. And I know once people kind of see cranes in the sky, I think any, you know, skepticism they might have about whether Port Covington is going to happen or not will die down a bit at that point. You know, we've been talking about Port Covington for, you know, about five years from now. So certainly, you know, there's the initial excitement and then it gets a few years later. You don't see a lot happening, even though more, more is happening than people realize. Excitement can kind of fade a little bit, but certainly once once people see a really, really active construction site, I think I think the excitement will uh, will raise a bit. But certainly people are enjoying more of those Port Covington amenities recently, like, you know, South Point and the redeveloped West Covington Park. And, you know, Nick's Fish House has, has always been there, but they've seen some improvements there. And then you have Sagamore Spirit Distillery and you have Rye Street Tavern. So certainly there's a lot more reasons to go down to Port Covington now than there were five years ago, there's also improved bike lanes and bike paths down there. So, so, you know, especially, you know, as, as COVID was going on, you would go down to West Covington park and just see a lot of people down there having a picnic, throwing the Frisbee around. So certainly a lot more people are going to, to Port Covington and 
Um, certainly that'll increase. And one other story we did last week, which was very interesting, there's always been this plan to take the old uh, Spring Gardens swing bridge, which was once a train bridge, and to convert that into a pedestrian bridge so people can walk from Port Covington to Westport. So that's not only cool if you want to walk from South Baltimore to Westport, but it would also kind of be really create this pedestrian loop around the middle branch. It would be about five plus miles where you could take a bike ride, a walk or a run and just loop around the middle branch Harbor. So that, that could be really cool. Whereas you have the inner Harbor is kind of a very commercial Harbor. The middle branch could almost kind of become this fitness Harbor where it's, you know, it's, it's less dense. It might be a place to lay out and catch some sun or go for a great run. There'll certainly be some commercial aspects to it, but there's really a lot of park space kind of built into already with West Covington Park and Middle Branch Park across the bridge. And then uh, we'll see what happens with the, the waterfront at Westport. As that's a, another parcel that's owned by Kevin Planks, Plank Industries. They're one of the partners of the Port Covington development team. But uh, that whole Middle Branch area is certainly getting a lot of attention right now. We could talk for hours Trevor, about that. It's clear that if you want to know anything about South Baltimore, you know, you got to check out southbmore.com. You got to subscribe check him out on social media. As you can hear from Kevin, I mean, he knows what's going on. You know, he knows everything that's going on around uh, around our little uh, neck of Baltimore here. So uh, uh, last question I had for you is, um, you know, what are you hearing from business owners that what can we as residents do better? What can we what are they what are you hearing in terms of, you know, how can we help support more? I mean, obviously, we're all going to trying to, you know, do carry out as much as possible and and uh, do that. But is there anything specifically that, um, you know, these business owners are, are you know, worried about, frustrated about, or, or excited about? As far as a business perspective, and I'm sure any industry has been hurt harder than restaurants and uh, kind of boutique retail um, as, you know, just they've been very limited as far as what they can do. And obviously we've seen them evolve. We've seen a lot of carry out. We've seen carry out drinks. There's almost a little bit of a New Orleans vibe going on in the, the neighborhood now. Pick up an orange crush to go. But certainly one thing I've seen is um, restaurant owners really appreciate it. If you want uh, carry out food or delivery to kind of go directly through them as opposed to some of the um, some of the delivery apps or whatever, because they're taking from what I've heard, 30 percent of the uh, of the sale at times. And, you know, plus you add on maybe a tip for a driver. So restaurants are really able to make a lot more profit when you go ahead and pick up the food themselves or if they're offering their own delivery, go ahead and use that. So that's a way, especially in a time where, where profits are very limited, um, where you can kind of help them out a bit more, but certainly, you know, there's opportunities to buy gift cards. There's opportunities to, uh, get a lot of carry out food. And now we're seeing, you know, a lot of these restaurants are reopened. So, um, you know, I'm sure what they'd love to see is, you know, maybe, maybe take a little bit extra effort to, go out to eat right now. If you're not comfortable going out to eat, you can, you can pick up food to go. But, um, I've been incredibly impressed by our restaurants. I think when, uh, when COVID hit and we're still seeing people saying that they're like, Oh, we're going to lose half of our restaurants. Um, I've been keeping a running tab of, of the effect COVID has taken on South Baltimore businesses. And certainly that will evolve as we're not completely out of the woods yet, but there's only been one restaurant so far that is closed. And that's been Riley's. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens with that, but, you know, you know, we've done our census and we know there's, I'd have to look, I think it's over 180 restaurants in South Baltimore thus far. I only know of one of them closing. So certainly what I love about business owners, I'm one myself and, um, business owners are scrappy. They're hardworking. They know how to pivot. 
they've been through tough times before. Every business owner has gone a month or two without paying themselves. So it seems like so many of them stepped up to the challenge to, to keep a positive head and, and get through this. And, you know, we're at the point now where restaurants are back open and we didn't really lose almost any. So hopefully that continues. I, I think there's some debt some of these places will have to get out of or getting back to the point where their business is in the black, but they've done an incredible job evolving and uh, fighting through this. And uh, I guess hat tip to the neighborhood too, that has rallied to support a lot of these places. Keep supporting our local businesses, bars, restaurants, boutique, retail, all of that. As you can hear, everybody, you know, SouthBmore.com, Kevin Lynch, he is the place to be if you want to keep your uh, ears on what's going on around South Baltimore. Kevin Lynch knows it. He's got it figured out, and he's bringing you the information that you need, and SouthBmore.com is the place. Kev, is there anything you want to add here additionally right at the end? Any any final thoughts on the weekly roundup? Anything we can look forward to next week that you're anticipating that might be a, a big story around the neighborhood? Yeah, just a few quick things. We... we um Bino Railroad Museum reopened. Uh, Maryland Science Center is going to reopen next week. Um, AVAM uh, is not open yet and actually went ahead and canceled their flicks from the hill. So that's certainly a, a disappointment, but understandable. I think even if flicks from the hill could have happened, it probably would have made difficult. Some of their sponsorship opportunities kind of within flicks from the hill where you have all their events before. So unfortunately, there won't be any um, flicks from the hill this year. Um, we did see uh, Bright Horizons Daycare Center. Uh, we did a story that they are closing. So uh, one less daycare center in a neighborhood that seems to have a, an emerging amount of young families all the time. So that, that's certainly a disappointment. Um, Pigtown and uh, Carol Camden held a rally this week. Um, Mayor Jack Young is proposing to get rid of the uh, Engine 55 fire engine that's located in that neighborhood. So there was a, a rally to save that. Um, that, that's certainly an evolving story. And, um, yeah, just, uh, yeah, ne- you know, next week, you know, really every week, you know, we're, we're, we're tracking what, what's kind of reopening, what's getting more back to normal. And as always, there's a lot of, there's a lot of construction. There's a lot of things happening in South Baltimore. And, and certainly one other thing too, is, um, we're anticipating an announcement maybe today or, or, or very soon about what they're going to do about city pools. So certainly, uh, Riverside park pool is a big part of, uh, South Baltimore living. A lot of people keep asking me what's the deal with that. So hopefully, uh, we'll have an answer for you soon, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting time we're living in, and uh, we're doing our best to, to keep people updated. Right on, and we certainly appreciate it, Kevin. Uh, you're doing a great job keeping us all updated on what's happening around South Baltimore. And for those that might be listening or haven't subscribed yet, how would you recommend people engage with South Beemore? What is the best channel for them? Sure. Luckily, there's a lot of ways to end up on our site. Certainly, uh, hopefully, you'll make southbeemore.com one of the bookmarks on your browser. Um, we're on all the social medias. We're on Twitter at South Beemore, something like that. I think there's a I think South underscore Beemore on on Twitter and Instagram. Um, Instagram, you know, kind of not not as newsy, more so just some cool pictures around the neighborhood. You can follow us on Twitter. You can follow us southbeemore.com on Facebook. Uh, people love our email newsletter, so you can go right to southbeemore.com and subscribe to our newsletter. And, um, and certainly if you're a business in the area, if you, if you're an institution, an organization, if you have an event coming up, which I guess there probably won't be too many events right now, but really anything that you'd love to, uh, get the word out in South Baltimore, we, we offer great ways to advertise on our site, which is 
really the, the vehicle that allows us to bring you this great news. So if anybody's looking to advertise to our great South Baltimore audience, let me know. I bet we have a package that uh, can fit your budget. So uh, we appreciate all the support of our site. It's been going for eight years. It's been an incredible experience. I get to talk about the, the place I live and the neighborhood I love for a living, and that's pretty cool. So I, I thank everybody for allowing that to be a possibility. Hey, Kevin, we thank you very much for all you do with SouthBmore.com. Again, for everybody listening, thank you so much for tuning in. We'll be back soon. So uh, we're still working on our catchphrases, but if you need to know what's going on in Sobo, you got to check out SouthBmore.com.